You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights which help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stacks with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Liz Kokoska on making virtual events work. Liz leads Okta's North American demand generation team, which includes regional marketing and sales development. Her organization is responsible for generating pipeline and accelerating sales cycles to meet Okta's revenue goals. With over 20 years of marketing experience, Liz's passion is building and growing high-performing teams. Liz, I'm really excited to talk to you about your fascinating career and, and get some insights from it for our audience. So welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Mitul. So Liz, before the show, we were having this conversation and you kind of explain the structure of your team, you know, and your role and how the teams are set up for success. And I thought that was very unique how you have set it up, you know, at Okta. Do you mind telling uh, our audience, you know, about your role and how the teams are set up for success? Sure. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd love to. So as you mentioned, I lead the team responsible for our North America demand gen pipeline. And this includes a team of around 125 sales development reps. So these are our um, younger sales reps, just mostly out of school, who are our um, front lines to, to the sales process. And then I also have a team of around 35 regional marketers. And um, part of that team also runs our executive programs like our EBCs, as well as our big strategic events uh, and trade shows. Um, I think the part you're probably referring to about being interesting at Okta, we really are super tightly aligned um, across sales and marketing. And it's, we have a really great partnership that sets us up for success. Um, our regional marketers and SDRs meet weekly with the sales account executives that they support and they strategize on kind of what they're going to focus on that week, whether it's you know a marketing focus or outbounding focus, but they, they all get aligned on where they need to put their attention each week and really think that that partnership and uh, relationship is, is what helps drive our success. So that's very interesting. So you have SDRs actually reporting into marketing and not to sales. Yes, we do. When I first started Okta, we didn't. And I know it can it really works both ways. But as we have become even more tightly aligned uh, as a demand gen team, um, we we truly are that. We, we, we use the hashtag a lot around Okta of hashtag one team. Because <laughs> for us, you know, that's really one of the most important uh, pieces that with the baton is passed really smoothly between the programs, when the leads come in, the SDRs know that they're coming in. Now, do we always do that perfectly? No. But that is our, our goal on all programs, that, that we give qualified leads and they know that they're coming and they have the right uh, tools to follow up on them in the most impactful way. Wow. And you have this part structure where you have AE, SDR, and marketer, kind of if I can call that in a, in a part structure where in an assigned account, they're creating strategies almost like a scrum model on a weekly basis to decide 
what and who to go after, what events to do and what activities to be to be generated. Exactly. Yes. And across each segment, it's slightly different in our named in our named segment, which is the world's largest organizations that we're focused on marketing to the the account executive. We, we call a franchise instead of a pod. And they really are on that almost one to one account model. So they have a, a point of view document on every account. And then the marketer and the SDR plug into that strategy that the AE is creating for their for their target accounts. Oh, on the on the smaller segments, uh, we we can't go one to one like that. So we do some account based marketing in the smaller segments, but primarily we are regionally aligned and focusing just specifically on the region and more of a one to few and one to many approach. That is brilliant. You know, very very few companies have, have heard using this strategy, so it's definitely seems to be working for you guys mm-hmm. with the growth of Okta and. You know how how amazing the value you guys are doing. Um, so, as part of this event, I mean, as part of this conversation when we're having it, you mentioned that events are really important. You know, as part of a demand strategy, uh, can you expand on that? Yeah, my my team is the regional marketing team, and we have several events teams at Okta. We do lean in super heavily on events. My team, in particular, runs around three hundred events a quarter. Uh, when I first started at Okta almost five years ago, we were closer to maybe 30 to 40 a quarter. So you can kind of see the growth there. Um, we are many fewer in terms of a field marketing team as well. But this is definitely one of our main channels. So um, yeah, super important and and actually appreciated. I know I, when I talk to sales uh, reps that come in new to Okta, they always are blown away at how much activity is happening and how much support they're getting from marketing. We, we really pride ourselves on that. That's fantastic. And you, you mentioned like the, the number of events you have is like, what, 75 a quarter and like 300 a year or something? No, 300 events a quarter and just the regional marketing oh, wow. side. And we have, a, we have an entire corporate events team that runs our big shows. So Octane, you know, all of our are external and internal facing larger events like sales kickoff and um, our our cabs, our customer advisory boards, as well as Octane um, and some of our other. We have an event called Disclosure that's a security focused event, and our corporate events team runs those. My team runs more of the just regional based, regional focused events that that are directly aligned to the sales team. Wow, that's that's amazing! Three hundred events a quarter. That's a lot of events. It's a lot of events. <laughs> <laughs> I almost can't believe it sometimes. Um, when yeah, and when when COVID hit and we had to start thinking about going virtual, uh, when we just made the decision to go virtual for the rest of the quarter, at that point, we my one of, one of my leaders on my team said to our SVP of demand gen. So does that mean? we need to cancel the five events that are happening tomorrow. And you know, the answer was yes. So that's the volume. We have, we have many. One day I looked right in during um, March and we had about 15 events in one day. So yeah, they're, they're a busy team. Wow, that's amazing. So I guess then, then the, the most obvious question is like with the COVID, you know, when you are uh, so much event focused and it's such a high producing high quality channel for you going from physical to 
did you guys completely pivot to virtual and ability to pivot so many events virtually, right? Yeah. At, in one shot, it's yeah. it's uh, it's not an easy task. I am incredibly proud of my team of what they did. And when we made that decision, it was as chaotic as it was for everyone, um, not knowing exactly what was to come. And so when we made the decision to go virtual, and it was around March 11th, it was right before Shelter in Place hit. Um, Octane, our big user conference, the corporate events team had already pivoted to virtual. So they pivoted March 2nd to virtual and Octane was March 31st. They had a month, a little less than a month to pull what was supposed to be a 6,000 person event to virtual. And it's just incredible what they did. They ended up with over 21,000 registrants for the virtual event. And it went, it went amazingly. Um, But we followed right behind on the regional events. We kind of were holding off because some, you know, smaller, not as much travel, they're more local events. And so we thought, well, maybe we wouldn't need to do that. But it, became super clear as the pandemic hit and, um, in just such a big way that we had to go virtual. It was the only thing that was the safe thing to do for our customers and our employees. And so my team in two weeks time canceled 75 live events. We uh, postponed 25 of our events. And then we added, this is the part that blew me away once we started counting them up. My team added 75 um, virtual events in Q1. And this was halfway through our quarter. So March, you know, mid-March was about halfway through our Q1 for us. Um, and it, it, I mean, it was definitely chaotic, but the team just stepped up to the plate and I've been, I, I still am a bit blown away about what was, what, what was possible and what they did. That is, that is amazing, right? To, to yeah. pivot from, I, I don't know how many virtual events, you know, you were doing from that to going hundred percent virtual, um, and getting this kind of results, like, so how, how do you make virtual events successful? Yeah, it's funny to, to think that we were doing zero virtual events before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually, I at least thought that you were doing some, but that, yeah. that is even more yeah. amazing, right? That well, we do you, you have, guys we had our, yeah, and that was actually a whole nother interesting piece because we have our campaigns team that ran our webinars. You know, that's, I would say those are the virtual events that were, were happening, but that was not my team. So once virtual events came into play, we had to talk amongst every um, team to figure out who owned which virtual event channel. So webinars were one and ours were, well, okay, well, if it's a regional type event, but it's being conducted on Zoom, that still stays within regional marketing. And, you know, how do we make sure we're not bumping into each other in the virtual event world now, right? So that it was quite a bit of alignment we had to sort out. Um, but yeah, I think the way we made it virtual, um, we really operated on the principle of creativity within constraints. So we had to move fast and we had to get the new event stood up in a two weeks time. So people were, you know, so out of their routines when COVID hit and when the shelter in place took place and everyone was really looking for some bright spots. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I remember just being kind of stunned about what was happening in the world around me and trying to figure out what's happening with even groceries at home or how do we get to have human interactions. I remember at the beginning, we were having lots of happy hours with our friends. So how do we provide those bright spots in this dark time for our customers and our prospects? So we added in a bunch of virtual cooking classes, happy hours. 
we had fireside chats with celebrities like Scotty Pippen and Jerry Rice. And, um, I, it, it was, it was pretty phenomenal what came out of that constraint, um, and the creativity that abounded really across the teams. And it wasn't without challenges. I and mean, we were going to send people, you know, virtual for the virtual cooking classes we wanted people to be able to get food and we're trying to figure out the best way to do that within all the restraints of um going to the grocery store or instacart being totally bombarded with orders and would they even be able to get the food in time and mail mail is so delayed so we really had to get get around some obstacles in that um and again just super proud of what the team was able to do Wow, that's a that's actually a true testament of of your team and your leadership. So, you know, congratulations on that. I I know that that is not easy by any means. Thank you. It's also you know it's just fun to see what what was possible within all those. And if we we kind of kept it in a place of okay, <laughs> what what are we going to do now that the next obstacle got put in front of our place? And I, it was it was a it was a good challenge and and reminder of being able to find solutions even in the most challenging times. Right. Right. So how, so this, this question then it becomes very another, uh, I guess I'm sure people who are thinking about it, you know, it's very obvious in their, in their mind is that, you know, events was a strategy. We would, you know, host those events and, you know, we're going to get whatever X percentage of our leads coming from these events and our MQLs. Now it's going virtual. Right. Yeah. Um, how does the demand gen look, you know, in the virtual events compared to physical and how, because the goalpost still stays the same. Yeah. You know, number of MQLs, I'm, you know, in marketing, I'm supposed to generate, but how am I supposed to generate these qualified quality leads in the virtual events? Yeah, we, we are a very data-focused company. We use Tableau and Salesforce intelligence to help us um, understand what's happening in our programs and trends. Um, we're super targeted in our event invitations, so it's just not open to anyone. We we look at the data in Salesforce, whether we're focusing on net new pipeline or deal acceleration. That's how we create our list. And then we really pay attention to personas and the segment. And, you know, at Okta, we, our segments are based on the number of employees at each company. And then, um, so I think with the targeted lists, we're really seeing actually an increase in quality. And we, we do this with live events as well, but there's, there's less obstacles right now for people to attend. They don't have to drive there or you know, they can just quickly log on on their computer and we're, we're seeing it. The attrition is, um, is much lower. Um, and then post event, we, we leverage the Salesforce and Tableau reports and, uh, we track the success of the program. We look at QLs, we look at our meetings set, and then we look at the number of opportunities created as well as the pipeline and the conversion rates across the programs. And, and we're really not seeing a huge impact. In fact, because everything's virtual and Octane's an example of that, we went from a target of 6,000 registrations for the live event and we had over 21,000 registrations wow. um, for the, you know, the, their virtual event. We ended up with like 5,500 QLs at Octane where we were only expecting 6,000 registrants. There would have never been 5,500 QLs at our live event. So 
we quickly realized we were going to have to figure out some new QLing rules. So all of our content syndication and um, several different channels that drive a large quantity of our QLs, we put some new parameters in place and aren't QLing at the same as the same rate, so we can manage um, the quality coming into our SDR org. That's that's fantastic. You know, I mean, so uh, you know, I think my assumption now, knowing what's happening around us, you know, with all these uncertainties that's that's happening from physical events to virtual events, virtual events are here to stay. Yeah. Um, and having been through that, uh, one thing we like to do in our show in general is provide guidelines, right? So, and something actionable. So some people who are thinking about virtual events right now or thinking about going to virtual events and doubling down on it, having been through what you have been through, what would be a recommendation? What are the actionable things they can do to make sure that their virtual events are successful? Yeah. Um, it was, it was a big learning for us in Q1 uh, in, terms of, in terms of that exact question because we were, we were moving pretty quickly. So some of, some of it wasn't as well thought out as we would have liked it to be because we had to quickly spin some things up. But um, getting clear on the audience goals of the event, it, is, do you want it to be smaller, more intimate conversation? Or do you just want to reach widely? Um, that's super important for us. And also to be targeted. So is it a persona? Um, also, is it a zip? do zip codes matter? For us, what we're realizing, we're no longer zip code. As regional marketers, we're no longer zip code focused. We're time zone focused. So how do you get more scale out of each program? We don't need to have, um, let's say, Scotty Pippen in Atlanta, Chicago, San Francisco. We can just have Scotty Pippen in the time zones if it was like a cooking event, let's say. Um, it doesn't, it, it, that's been, that's been a huge one for us. And then also giving our events legs in the early days of pivoting to virtual, we may not have negotiated it into the contract to make sure we were allowed to record it and reuse that recording. So we're really making sure that that's top of mind and our contract negotiations up front. So we have on-demand assets that can continue to capture leads after the event. And then really choosing your platform wisely. You know, I, What's fascinating to me is all of the platforms that are popping up now in the last two months. I've been getting lots of calls. <laughs> and it's <laughs> exciting to see the innovation that's happening. But you may not need a platform with all the bells and whistles. For us, we often we just use Zoom. You know, it's it's enough really for many of our regional events. So deciding where where to invest. Do you need to invest the fifty to seventy five thousand on a really fancy virtual platform or can you leverage your just existing Zoom webinars or or the or the technology that you use? That's very interesting. And and are you doing uh sorry, I didn't quite get this one. So you record the sessions beforehand for your virtual events or is it live? Depends. It really depends. I mean some of the interactive cooking classes and things, those are all live. Uh, yes. If we have a presentation, we will at times record it ahead and play it on demand and then have a Q&A afterwards with live people. Um, Octane was all recorded ahead. And then we had uh, people online to answer the questions and chats, et cetera. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
Very cool. Well, Liz, thank you yeah. so much. You know, this this was a very insightful. Congratulations on all the success that you guys, you. Uh, you know, you guys have achieved from physical to, you know, virtual. That's not a small feat. So, you know, congratulations to you and your team. But thank, uh, thank you, you so much for, you know, having conversation with us. Thanks for being on our show. I'm sure our audience will get yeah, insights out of this. And, you know, we really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. It's been great to be here. Thanks, me too. Um, if anyone has any questions, they are welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to chat more. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review us and share these insights with your peers.